podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello you. Yes, we're back. You're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County podcast. We've returned for the difficult second series for the uninitiated with three long-suffering Rams fans who discuss all things Derby every two weeks. I'm Chris Parsons and joining me as ever, they're back from the summer breaks, refreshed but as pasty as ever, is Richard Kutcher. Hello. And Tom Martin. Hi there. We've got so much to cram in. It's a bumper episode. Three signings. Three friendlies already and eight goals in pre-season at the time of recording, Tom. What else is coming up in our first pod of the season? Derby at around eight favourites for promotion with the bookies. We'll look at the fixtures, we'll look at the ins and outs, and we'll look at how can we go on and improve from last year's playoff failure. And he's the lone star from Chelsea we're all talking about, but how good is Mason Mount? We spoke to a Chelsea correspondent for Goal.com who told us how Mount became undroppable last season in Holland. And as a special pre-season treat, we've even got an in-depth chat with Curtis Davis, who talks promotion, Lampard, life after football, and Harry Maguire. That's coming up in the second half. But we always kick off the podcast with a round of Who Ram I? The guessing game where Tom and Kutch have to identify a former Derby player from the archives from a series of clues. Uh, Tom recorded a convincing a convincing victory overall in 17-18 um, but it's a fresh start for you this season Kutch just back to the scores have been reset yeah I've been swatting up all summer have swatting you? up and sweating <laughs> in that order yes remaining pasty though yeah sweating over Wikipedia entries of Derby <laughs> County so the clue for episode 27 is this one I played 73 times for Derby County between 1999 and 2003 so have a little think about that one, and we will have the climax to another gripping instalment of Who Ram I at the end of the podcast. But it's a new season, 18-19. My brother asked me after the 3 and a win over Southampton, Tom, how excited should we be about this Derby side on a scale of 1 to 10? What do you think the answer is? I'm always excited about a new season, but there is a particular buzz which started when Lampard got appointed and we did our last uh, podcast. I'm going to go 8 out of 10. Um, excited at the moment a convincing beginning to the season a convincing August and that's going to go up to 9 or even 10 out of 10 like, I think there's a real good feeling around this Derby team um, we've signed some good players I like the look of the two low knees and I like the look of the, the lad we've got from Brentford potential of maybe signing Jack Marriott from Peterborough uh, who we'll talk about later and we mentioned a month or so ago yeah really excited so is 8 out of, is eight out of 10 count as your excited hat back on? Yeah, definitely. I've got it back out of the recycling bin. You got I've it out for the uh, Columbia penalty shootout in the World Cup, and then uh, I, I most definitely did. It, 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 hasn't, it hasn't gone off since then, probably. Was it? <laughs> no, it, it wasn't really on for the Sweden game. It was a bit dull. <laughs> but yes, yeah, certainly, I think it's a really good. Uh, we look like a, in a really good shape. I like the way that we're playing in those those three friendlies. It's only pre-season, of course, but it's nice just to be excited about club football again, having had an excellent World Cup. Coach Derby had one of the oldest squads in the division last mm. season um, regularly fielding starting 11s with an average age of over 30 since then a few players have come and gone of course we'll get onto that but it was um, it's two youngsters who've caught the eye in pre-season Max Lowe at left back and Luke Thomas um, is Max Lowe the answer to our problem left back area do you think? Quite possibly I think we've all been you know he's had a run before in the team then he's had injury disruption Craig Forsyth and Olsen aren't you know kind of flattered to deceive at times and kind of 
how a lot of ire from fans directed towards them. So it is something we it is a position we need to improve, as we discussed a lot last season. I think it's great if Max Lowe can be given the chance. He's been having a chance in pre-season. Looked like he um, played a couple of good balls in the win over Southampton. Mm. Um, you know, if he's fit and firing, as we know, it sounds like Lampard and Morris want to give the young guns a chance. And I think just with the loan signs we made and the likes of Max Lowe and Luke Thomas around the squad, it's great to have kind of fresh legs, fresh faces, uh, really bring that average age down. So I think it probably was a problem for us last season. Max Lowe, um, he looks like he's beefed up a bit, mm. a fair bit since yeah. uh, we last saw him because he was on loan at Shrewsbury for most of last season, wasn't he? Yeah. But it looks noticeably sort of stockier uh, these days, and he's uh, he is he is rapid as well. You saw that in a game in the in the I watched the Southampton game yesterday. He really gets up and down. Maybe got caught out once or twice defensively by um, a couple of Southampton players, but his pace sort of got him out of trouble. And uh, as you said there, there's one little moment where he sort of wrestled the Ward Prowse off the ball mm. and then played a lovely little curled through a ball over the top for Nugent um, I think it could be a real option and a lot of fans seem excited about seeing him hopefully holding down the left back spot but what about Luke Thomas Tom he, um, he banged in two in Derby's first pre-season friendly but since then has he's played in that second half friendly team behind, along with Mason Bennett behind Mason Mount and, and Harry Wilson um, could he break through? Uh, yeah I don't see him breaking through and being a 35-40 game uh this season but I do think he's an exciting talent when we signed him from Cheltenham a few years ago it was very highly rated linked with a number of Premier League teams um, it was obviously linked with West Ham and I was very concerned I have to say it's been really nice to have the likes of Lowe and Thomas in the squad recently when was the last time we had like that sort of side with lots of young players in there we had Hendrick Hughes O'Brien etc under Clough but that sort of disappeared over the last two or three years um, so Luke Thomas looks like a real good prospect he'll be an option off the bench um, I'm hoping he gets some good game time under Lampard and obviously with Lampard's experience and his obviously reputation hopefully that'll help Thomas grow I think those wide attacking areas is a, a place we really needed to freshen up you know obviously we lost Vyman <clears throat> we lost Russell last year and they're not they're not huge blows if they can be replaced and I think in the likes of um, Wilson and Thomas coming in and the chat from Brentford I think we've really added new new um, kind of flair and creativity in those wide areas and, and some fresh faces which I think will do the team a lot of good because if you're going to play 4-3-3 three, three, you need to have really effective wide players and they, they, all, they all look like they can they can make a contribution I love how we've called him the lad from Brentford so far should we just call him that the whole time to yeah. avoid saying his actual <laughs> name <laughs> you've already got a nickname for him haven't you we have yeah we'll come to that um, Tom in um, the first few games Tom Lawrence has looked pretty impressive as well and last season 6 goals and 7 assists in 17-18 um, obviously the marquee signing last summer it's a big season for him coming up isn't it yeah definitely um, interesting how Lampard has sort of maybe changed the system um, and Lawrence is much more of a focal point now when he was an excellent at Ipswich uh, a couple of years ago he was the focal point of that team um, last year Vigil was most definitely the focal point and Lawrence then ended up being out on the left or on the right or then sometimes as a reserve through the sort of middle rather than the sort of main person like Vidra had been. Um, so a slight tweak there and Lawrence is actually taking it taking it in stride and he's really performed well so far. He seems a bit more natural driving through the middle mm. than he does coming in from wide positions. Picks yeah. up a few assists but uh, even his second goal against Southampton yeah. in, the, in, the, in the friendly, he just got the ball from Huddleston, drove straight forward drilled it low and high beyond the keeper and he scored yeah. a few goals like that last season as well didn't he and I think Lampard and Morris obviously they want to they want to play attacking football by the sounds of it or, or, or exciting football how, how, however you define that and that should maybe give Lawrence a bit more freedom you know I mean, yeah. I mean Rowett did trust him last season definitely he played so many games 
but you know it's probably more of a rigid style whereas it sounds like you know with with the likes of Mount and Wilson and Jota Zoom um, good effort thank you um, <laughs> it sounds like that we've got really good options there and Lawrence maybe will feed off those other players special mention as well Kutch for uh, for Mason Bennett mm. who scored three and three at the time of recording at least in pre-season where do you see him featuring in uh, in the setup? probably similar to Thomas really I mean we all want him was it seven years since he he's broke tw- through he's 22 now yeah. right? he's been here for an absolute age but yeah. he's only 22 it's crazy um, he's still got all those attributes which made him so exciting when he was a 15 year old playing for us Yeah, you know he's, he's low centre of gravity he's strong on the ball he's skillful it's just that consistency and, his, his, and, and, and we don't know him but that focus you know, how focused is he maybe this is the right coaching team to get the most out of him but he's another one of those options I think we've got a lot of options possibly too many options in that final third mm. so it depends you know it might depend on injuries or it uh, must be said that Bennett did have a serious injury last yeah. season when he was just breaking into the team remember yeah. that had that game against Birmingham yeah. the one all draw where he did really well to set up a goal and then it was that away game at Brentford wasn't it when uh, he limped off early yeah well, he started that game really well didn't he I he remember. did yeah I, I think Mason Bennett um, he's 22 years old he's had chances here and there um, he's been out on loan at various places and he's n- he's never really sort of fulfilled what you'd hoped with him it was the excitement I remember it was Middlesbrough I think he was going up on a Tuesday night he got permission to go from school um, and you're like well you're taking a 15 year old putting him on the bench like this guy's obviously a bit of a talent and he just hasn't quite done it yet maybe a bit like Lee Holmes what 15 16 years ago yeah he has also beefed up as well though Ben yes. he's he is he is hench now yeah. he yeah. is uh, he is Dame Judy hench yeah. <laughs> He's, he's pretty buff and I think that's that's really going to help. He, he has that low centre of gravity and hopefully he can really fill out a bit more and just get a run in the team. But the new signings then, uh, so we've had three in for Derby so far, Mason Mount and Harry Wilson on loan from Chelsea and Liverpool respectively and Florian Josef Zun from Brentford for around 2.75 million. I think we're going, we'll have to greet early doors. We're going to call him Flojo. Flojo, right? yeah, both... Torandre Flojo. Torandre Flojo. I like it. Um, let's start with Torandre Flojo. Is it fair to say he's been bought in as an upgrade on, on Andy Vyman? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it looks, looks like it from what, what, what I've seen of him before. Um, and we needed that you know, new pace and kind of, he's quite a direct player, mm. a bit like Vyman. Seems like he's got a bit more end product than Vyman, possibly. I mean, I've I've seen him a couple of times with Brentford, and um, obviously only the once on Saturday for for Derby. Um, imagine Andy Vyman receiving the ball on the edge of the box, having the composure to take a touch, turn, get a shot on target. Just imagine that. I'm going to have to only imagine. <laughs> it doesn't happen, does it? And obviously, he probably should have scored. Keeper makes a good save, and Bennett tucks it home. But that that one instance there just says straight away we've got a better player on our hands. And for a what, the fact that he missed a one on one from eight yards out, the fact that he hit the target so he scored the rebound. <laughs> right, I mean, Andy right. Vine would take an a assist. Touch. Is an assist, you know, he'd have taken a touch, waved a leg at it, fallen over, kicked Nugent in the face, and <laughs> ran off really fast <laughs> in a straight line. <laughs> So we asked um, we asked Billy Grant from the uh, our old mate Billy from the B Sotted Brentford podcast for, for some initial thoughts on uh, on Tori Andre Flojo and uh, and he said he's a tricky direct wide player who likes to run at players. I think we saw some evidence of that against Southampton. Um, as you said, had a, had an okay showing in in his uh, in his debut. Only played the second half and had that shot saved. One player who was uh, was very sharp and looks really promising is Harry Wilson. Did a lot of high pressing, I thought, against Southampton. Played, only played the first half. Did a lot of pressing. 
couple of quality through balls and he looks pretty handy at free kicks as well he's a real asset to have isn't he yeah he is a real asset and the fact he's had a half season at Hull and he delivered mm. is really promising it shows that you know he's already demonstrated he knows what the league is about and he can and he can and he can perform in it in a, in a quite pressurized situation last season for Hull because they were they were fighting relegation I mean with Harry Wilson he just adds more 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 quality to that final third as we already said it, it's him and Torandre Flojo really are upgrades on both Russell and Vyman. Um, and you mentioned his about his free kicks. Mason Mount's also a free kick specialist, and I think Flojo is a, has scored some free kicks for Brentford last season as well. So we've suddenly got a lot of uh, dead ball expertise, which we didn't really have so much of last season. On both feet as well. On both sides. Left footed. Yeah. Flojo's left footed, is he? No, he's right footed. He's right footed. Mount's right footed. We've got options on both sides. Mason Mount's been touted as one of one of Derby's most exciting signings for for quite some time, Tom. And it's um, it seems clear to all of us that it was without Lampard, we wouldn't have got him in the building. Yeah. Um, how do you? We'll come on to him in a second. But how do you rate him personally? Yeah, I think he, he looks like a talented player. He was uh, initially not in the Vitessa uh, Arnhem side last year, um, fought his way into that, and then played almost forty games, uh, scored double figures, set up double figures. You like. Know, Impressive player uh, of the season as well. Yeah, impressive stats. So I think for him to come from um, the Eredivisie and then into the Championship, I think this is a different sort of challenge for him. Um, maybe a slightly quicker, more physical, uh, more physical league. But he's clearly got the technical ability. So I think if he gets time on the ball in the Championship, he'll be a real threat. So I'm excited about him. Of course, he's a lone star. It's a shame we haven't got whatever twenty million pound to buy him. Or yeah. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited about that quality. I think what he brings to us is um, in. The- some more quality to the centre of the park. We've got a lot of central midfielders, but no one really like Mason Mount. Mm. Um, we've got we've got industry from someone like Bryson. We've got someone like Huddleston who can control a game from the from the from the back of the midfield, kind of a quarterback position. We haven't really got anyone that's going to transition play forward into the final third. And from watching the, the his goals from last season, he is it's classic Lampard. He arrives in the box. He times his runs so nicely and arrives in the box. The amount of goals he scored in that kind of between six yards and twelve yards in the penalty box is, was really impressive, and we haven't really had a midfielder do that since the Bryson season of, yeah. uh, under McLaren. The only downer is that goalkeepers in Holland are rubbish. Yes, oh my god, they are rubbish. <laughs> uh, having watched that, I was like, even Tom could play in their device. <laughs> and I, I'm getting old these days; the knees are not quite what they were. So yeah, we we wanted to find out more about Mason Mount. So uh, we wanted to find out how good he is, and about those comparisons with Derby's manager Frank Lampard. So to do that. I had a chat to Naz Kinsella, who's the Chelsea correspondent for Goal.com, and here's what he said. Naz, thanks for joining us on the phone. So, Mason Mount signed for Derby County on loan. What was the reaction from Chelsea fans when he signed for Derby? Um, I think that they were happy to see him join up with Frank Lampard. The feeling of a loanee being in safe hands is quite important for Chelsea fans because uh, there's been several who've had bad moves and sort of hindered their careers. And, and Mason Mount is somebody who... Lots of Chelsea fans have on their radar. He, he's well known among Chelsea fans because of his amazing performances in the Eredivisie. So, and he was the captain of the youth team, and uh, he won the Academy Player of the Year in his final year in the academy. So, uh, he's, he's he's very highly regarded among Chelsea fans. And see him work under Jody Morris as well. Again, is a really important thing. Somebody who knows everything about his game. Uh, so, yeah, they were they were kind of happy to see him in Derby, but there's also a sense that. Maybe he could have, could have gone to a Premier League club, to a Bundesliga club, or, or something like that, and and maybe Derby got a little bit of a coup there. Well, I think that's the feeling among a lot of fans, and I think, to be honest, if uh, if Lampard and, and Morris weren't here, I, I fear we 
may not be having this conversation, but but anyway, I mean, you mentioned there so many other players who had bad moves. There is a wealth of young talent at Chelsea. Uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Lewis Baker, Tammy Abraham, Jada Silva, just to name four of the of the many players. Um, how highly is Mason Mount regarded compared to Chelsea's other youth stars? I think he could be up there with the very best. He's that good at Vitesse. That was his first year in professional football and he scored 14 goals got 11 assists that's from midfield that's also uh, after not starting the season as a you know automatic starter uh, he earned his place and he was undroppable for uh, Vitesse and, and helped them get to the Europa League so unbelievably highly regarded to be honest he's kind of got a bit of a Lampard-esque style about him he's, he's a very hard worker he's got this uh, relentless appetite for improving his game uh, and, and Mount's got that sort of work ethic that, that Frank Lampard has and that's often something that's uh, shouted about him and yeah he's, he's a very 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 interesting player uh, not just uh, technically but actually you know personality wise now Derby played sort of a 4-2-3-1 system last season under Gary Rout and they look to be moving towards more of a 4-3-3 or variation of it this time round um, what system do you think Mason Mount plays best in? yeah 4-3-3 would be very good for Mason Mount um, he's uh, I think his best role in my opinion is sort of the same role Frank Lampard played in a number 8 somebody who bursts from midfield like finds pockets of space uh, becomes that extra man in attack uh, with with the sort of three forwards um, he he's very clever at finding space uh, in the box he's trying to learn timing like that Frank Lampard had that timing that you know to always be in the right place despite being a midfielder isn't easy but that, that's something that Mount uh, wants to do uh, he likes to do but he's also got a great passing range so uh, being in midfield, it, it, it works for him, but he can also play as a number 10. Um, he's obviously a goal threat. You mentioned earlier on about uh, Chelsea's players who haven't really kicked on from loan spells and have had bad moves. Uh, Chelsea have sometimes been criticised for the number of young players they send out on loan. It's said to be around 37 players at one point last season. Do you think that criticism is fair? Yes, I do. I think that I think that Chelsea's stockpile talent is clear to see that. Um, and the fact that Derby have to loan a player from Chelsea who could otherwise, you know, be a regular starter at Derby and maybe go on to a better career. There's sort of something maybe ethically dubious about it. Um, but, you know, I think Chelsea fans should not be critical of it. It's a business model. They, these players stockpiled, signed young, very well scouted. They have the best facilities, the best academy. They grow into great players as youngsters. But then that final step can be something that Chelsea struggle to make work. But the worst case scenario of Chelsea in general is that Okay, they maybe don't let the player doesn't go on to his full potential, but they still make a huge profit from the sale of that player, and and that profit is reinvested into their first team squad, and they sign forty million pound players. So that's sort of how the business model works. Is it always what's right for the player? Chelsea would argue that they give the loanies great support. There'll be people like Tor Andre Flo, Paulo Ferreira, Eddie Newton. They'll be talking to Mason Mount when he's at Derby. Uh, and, and helping him improve, uh, giving him more support than even the Derby first team players will have. What's really needed is minutes on the pitch and, and when these loanees go to a club, sometimes the clubs promise the earth and then they don't deliver and then what does a season out of a top club do, do for a young player? It, it damages their careers. Look at Lewis Baker at Middlesbrough. It, it was a terrible loan move for him and he was regarded very highly. Mason Mount has a good chance, he has a good chance and I think that he for sure will be an England international one day. Now, I have to ask you, just lastly, before you go, about Derby's new manager, of course. Do you think Frank Lampard has what it takes to be a success as a manager? Yeah, he has all the tactical knowledge. He's 
you know, he, he clearly understands the game very, very well. Um, you know, he's played at the highest level. Uh, but, you know, that's not always what makes a good manager. Uh, so we'll see how he adapts. You know, we had Gary Neville coming from punditry with the best back- background in football, really impressive tactical knowledge. But when it came down to it, he, he wasn't able to do it. There's certainly an element of, uh, you know, doubt about it. But I, I think that Frank Lampard, is right to try. I, I hope he's successful and I, I hope that Derby are patient with him. And presumably with Mason Mount and Frank Lampard now, most Chelsea fans will uh, will have Derby as their second team this season. Yeah, yeah, but don't forget they'll have 37 loanies and many of them will be in the championship, so uh, <laughs> there could be many second teams, but Mount, I think Mount's one of the yeah, like real favourites among the loanies, among the youth players, so uh, I think there'll be a huge, huge eye on them from Chelsea fans and if they get promoted, I think that a lot of people will be happy. And Frank Lampard is one of the top three legends in Chelsea's history. So, uh, of course, they they will be keeping a big eye on Derby County. And, uh, yeah, I think you've got a good chance next season. So that covers the new signings. But what about outgoings? We'll talk about trimming Derby's bloated squad in part two, as well as that sit-down chat with Derby's Captain Fantastic from the end of last season, Curtis Davis. Now, this season, Steve Loomer's Washing is partnered with Derby Brewing Company, the family-run, award-winning microbrewery and pub operator, with four venues across Derby, including the Brewery Tap, which is walking distance from Pride Park on Derwent Street. More after this. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or hit follow on SoundCloud. But guides it back to Dorigo. Excellent driven cross, and Paolo Welcome back to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Derby County podcast. Next up, we're delighted to say that we've got an extended interview with Curtis Davis, Derby's centre-back who was many fans' player of the season last year. Uh, I went up to Moor Farm myself in pre-season and we chatted to Curtis for around 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, I'd like to thank thank Derby County for giving us access to a first-team player at this point and I started by asking him about pre-season. So Curtis, not long to the season now. Um, the buzzword from the players seems to have been intensity. How, how have you found it yourself? Yeah, th- that word um, carries a lot of weight. Um, this season we've, we've come in for, for pre-season. We're fortunate that we've had the balls out quite early, but within that we've had a lot of big, tough sessions. And um, like I say, intensity is, is the word that, that keeps getting touched on. The manager wants it short, he wants it sharp. Um, he wants everyone at it and um, so far the lads have been doing really well with it. It's your 18th pre-season I believe now, is that right? Yeah, don't remind me. I think, <laughs> I've, I, think um, yeah, I think I might have started pre-season before Jaden Bogle was even born, I think, <laughs> something like that. But No, it's, um, yeah, it's been a, a, a long old career so far. This is probably the least running I've done in a pre-season, which is good um, because at, at my age I don't want to be running around. Um, but the intensity of the sessions in terms of doing um, kickballs or doing games or doing shooting drills, we do our running within that. When you say to someone, oh, we're not doing a lot of running, they might think, oh, it's easy. Um, no, because sometimes you'll do a shooting drill where you do about six stations of short, sharp feet, and then you've got to have a shot after and then sprint back. So um, it's very well measured. Um, I think that's due to Chris Jones, um, comes from a, a fitness, site, uh, fitness coach, sports science background, and he's also got his A licence in coaching. So I think he, 
helps the manager with that balance in terms of getting the right bits for our legs, but also the football is um, still going to be of good quality. How have Frank Lampard and his staff been different to coaches you've worked with previously in your career? Um, I think the first thing you notice is when the gaffer joins in, he, he becomes the best player. <laughs> so that's one thing. Um, but no, the gaffer's only just removed from it. Um, obviously, he's been retired a year after leaving New York, so he, he totally understands that, that session sometimes, if, if they're going a bit stale, he might, he might change something up. He's quick to sort of react to, to what's going on in a session. Um, you've got Jody, who is quite feisty as a player. Um, he's got that same sort of mentality as a, as a coach. He wants it sharp. If it's not right, he'll, he'll tell you straight to your face and, and you just know the standards that, that they want to bring. And it's sort of been embedded early that the gaffer wants these standards, Jody wants these standards, Chris wants these standards. Now you're signing new contracts with the club over the summer, of course, and you said yourself that you had a special bond with the fans. How important was that in deciding to stay for an extended period? I think it, it was, yeah, it was obviously a, a big factor because when you come to a club, it's your first year and, and um, it's obviously speculation going around elsewhere. I, I really enjoyed it here and I, I didn't want to go anywhere and like I say the fans have been a big part of that as well as obviously the lads in the changing room and, and being part of this group but I, I want to continue to do good things here and I want to be remembered at this football club for doing good things I don't want to be the person that's sort of left under a cloud after one good season and that's why I'm glad that um, I've stayed here and extended my deal In terms of last season um, when it didn't end the way the club wanted how did you reflect on it personally? Because you had such a good season yourself, but Derby lost in the playoffs, of course. How do you reflect on it after a few weeks and months now? We got ourselves into a great position earlier on in the season, around Christmas time, where obviously we were second. And we sort of let ourselves down when we went on a, an unbeaten run. And in the end, overall, the, the balance of the season, um, I think we we done well to get into the playoffs. The only unfortunate thing in the playoffs is we played Fulham. Um, that's... That's the truth. I think if we'd played anyone else, we may well have got to the final and, and may, have, may have won it. it. It's just about the way the, the draw fell is that Fulham were a team that you didn't really want to play over two legs for ourselves. In the first game, I think they had something like 70% possession, even though we won the game 1-0. But to do it in one game is one thing, but to do it over two was always going to be tough. And that's why going into that second game with Fulham, we're sort of out on our feet. The goals weren't great, to be honest, that we conceded, but ultimately the better team went through in terms of the better team through the season and the better team um, on the day. So um, I think reflecting on it, we we done well to get to the playoffs and we can take pride in that. But having had that experience now, I'm hoping that this year the lads that obviously remain here and are going to be a big part of it again will have the mentality and the know-how to, to go one step further and, and hopefully the the energy that the manager is going to bring to the team in terms of the way he wants us to play and, and the new young players that seem to be joining the club at the moment um, will take us to another level. What do you think Derby needs to do differently this campaign to try and improve on sixth place from last season? Obviously last year we we were consistent for a long while. Um, I think we had a run of about 20 games where we'd only lost I think one or two within that run. Um, but after that we were consistently bad. So it's making sure that when we have our good runs, we, we continue it. But if there's a blip, we bounce straight back. And I think that's going to be key to it because at this level, when you've got games coming Tuesdays, Saturdays, um, Wednesdays, whenever they're going to be, you need to be able to, to find a result. And as much as we've spoken about, obviously, the manager wants to 
play a decent style of football this year. Um, it's still about making sure that you're doing the right things within what the manager wants, but also doing the right things to get a result on the day. Now, in terms of the other teams who will be rivaling Derby this season, who do you see as being the main contenders for promotion in the Championship? First and foremost, you'd have to look at, at West Brom. I don't think they're, they're going to lose too many, and they've obviously attempted to, to add more to their, to their squad. So I think they'll be strong, um, especially a good friend of mine, obviously, ex Derby. Uh, captain himself, um, Darren Moore, for him at the helm, I, I, I want him to do well, obviously not better than us, but I, I wish him well after what he'd done last year for them. And um, unfortunately for, for, for the fans listening to this, I'm going to have to say Stoke. Um, do you have to? Yeah, <laughs> just, just because the squad they've got, again, I don't believe they're going to lose many players. I haven't seen many go. Um, I know Shakiri's left and gone to Liverpool, but would he have been a player for the Championship? Probably not anyway. They, they, they're going to have a right good go and similar to what Newcastle done, it, it might be a gamble that they might go out and spend a lot of money and buy players, but if it gets them out of the division, because those players will know the championship, then they've obviously done the right thing, but I'm hoping they all fail and, and it's us that end up at the top of the top of the ladder. Now, just uh, away from football, um, you're already looking to your future after the game and you're studying for a degree in sports writing and broadcasting at Staffordshire University. How's, all that, how's that all going for you? Yeah, it's good. We um, we had an in-campus week. In, well, there were two weeks. One I had to defer because we had the playoffs. Um, but we had TV week and radio week. I managed to go to TV week. It was just um, that that week itself was an interesting insight into the editing, the actual taking the footage with the camera. So learning about things like white balance and all this sort of stuff. Um, all this stuff, all the jargon, technical. Yeah, but but it's good because it opens your eyes to, to how tough it is that you don't realise that obviously I sit here in front of the camera or in front of the mic and I give my piece but somebody's got to edit that down how, um, how does it work with the with the studying then are you sort of doing homework on the team bus and that sort of thing or how do you fit it around the day job it's um yeah because it's at home learning it's, it's a course that's designed through the PFA so um, they understand that everyone on the course can't obviously be in campus um, every day so there's, there's an in-class day usually six once every six weeks yeah, I'll, I'll take my laptop and take my notepad to, to certain away trips and, and try and crack on and get a bit of work done, yeah. So what's the ultimate aim of the media work then? Like a punditry gig, a match of the day sofa perhaps or something? Do you know what? I've done this course simply because I'm interested in it. It's not something that's going to get you a job. I, I don't believe in the media that because you've got the degree, you're then going to be thrust into match of the day or, or on um, Sky Sports live coverage or anything like that. But having done a few media bits myself um, over the years and, and I really enjoyed it and had a lot of experience and and opportunities in it. It's something that I wanted to do to, like I say, open my eyes to the other sides in terms of the writing side and, and obviously the editing side, like um, learning about that adds, adds an extra edge. But it's just, yeah, preparing yourself best for, for when I retire, that if it's something I do want to go into rather than coaching, then I'm ready and um, I'll have as much info as I can. So looking forward to this campaign then tell us about the two two of the new boys uh, Mason Mount and Harry Wilson I know it's only been a few days yeah. of training but how have they settled in and what do you see them adding to Derby's team yeah both settled in really well um, I think it helps when two of them have come in together obviously they're both staying at the hotel at the moment so I'm guessing they're probably going out for lunch and stuff like that together so it, it's quite good for them in terms of having each other but I know obviously Harry Wilson last year um, done really well when he went to Hull um, scored quite a few goals so he's a player that was a coup for us because I'm sure there were 
loads of clubs trying to snap him up so he's definitely one that having seen him and, and seen his record um, yeah it, it was a good signing and Mason is a young promising guy from, from Chelsea and um, having seen him in training having actually watched him we played a, a game a round robin game where two teams were playing in the middle and one team on our outside and I sort of just tried to watch him for the, the three minutes we played the game and his, his movement and his, his awareness um, to find a space to, to take his touch into the right space he he's definitely had a, a good footballing education and um, I hope he can bring a, a, a decent bit of quality to our team. Oh, I couldn't speak to you about asking you about the World Cup. Tell us exactly where you were and how you reacted when your old teammate Harry Maguire thumped in that header against Sweden. Yeah, well, we were all in, um, what's it called, in the bar in, in uh, Tenerife. We were all ready to go on the coach, but luckily we got to see most of the game before we left. So, um, yeah, we were all in there and obviously Harry has had an unbelievable World Cup, but it's easy to say now, but it was nothing less... Than I expect of him because every level that he steps to, he takes it in his stride. Um, a very long stride, but um, he takes it in his stride because the way he plays, he's an out-and-out defender that can defend, puts his body on the line, he heads it, he, he blocks it. But he's very good on the ball, very good footballer, and I think a World Cup platform in international football, the way it plays, was was perfect for him, and he done really, really well. And I think it's a shame to see him not make the team in the tournament, if I'm being totally honest. When you watch football, like at home or wherever, do you watch it more as a fan or as a, or as a professional? Are you watching it just wanting to enjoy the game or are you sort of picking up on how defenders defend and thinking, oh, yeah. I might not have done that? Or Yeah, I think when I watched England, I watched as a fan and especially when you've got friends and former teammates in the squad, you're watching as a fan to, to see them get the best. Some, and I guess if you're watching um, a Real Madrid-Barcelona, you're watching as a fan because it's fantasy football for someone like me. But I guess when I watch Premier League football and, and stuff like that, a lot of the time you can't help but analyse. Uh, I, I, you try and just watch a game for, for enjoying a game of football. Sometimes you can't help but analyse. Oh, he should have done that, he should have done that. Everyone's, everyone's a pundit when they're at home. Not just the ones that do journalism degrees. Everyone's a pundit when they're at home and, and when they're watching football, um, which I'm sure a lot of people do the same when I'm playing. I just want to ask you a few quick fire questions just to finish up. Which player did you idolise as a kid? As a kid, it, well, there were a few. I was a Man U fan growing <coughs> up. It was Eric Cantona was the first, just because he was a legend at Man U. He used to flick up my collar and wear my collar up when I played Sunday League and I was a striker. Then it was obviously the original Ronaldo, just because it doesn't really need to be said. He's, in my belief, he's the best striker ever. I just love him. And then as I became a defender, it was Rio Ferdinand. Even when he was at Leeds and, and at West Ham, having watched him and the way he played, he definitely was a, a big hero of mine. Who scored the best goal of the World Cup? I think I really liked Pavard's goal for France. I think I was thinking about Di Maria's goal and things like that, but Pavard's goal just, you know, he sort of steps up, he sort of not expecting it to come, sort of falls into an area and the technique where he hits across it and it sort of bends outside the post and goes in. And he's another story of, similar to Harry Maguire, that two years ago he was with his friends watching the games in a, in a fan park in, in Paris, I think. And he's gone on to obviously be a world champion. So just to make a defender for the uh, best goal. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. It's probably not expected of him as well. So that's yeah, that's that's even better. Okay, so we'll leave it there. Thanks ever so much for your time, and uh, good luck for the season. Thank you very much. So there we have it, Kurt. That was Big Curtis Davis. Big Kurt, what a guy he was. Was he, was he big in big in real life? He's well, he's bigger than me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not hard though. Well, he's more muscular than me. But that's <laughs> <laughs> that's really not very difficult. Um, 
Tom, if we're going to do anything this season, he's we're going to need him, Curtis Davis to have the same sort of season as last year, aren't we? Really? Yeah, I think the the spine of the team needs to perform. Uh, Carson Davis, whoever plays in that central midfield, sort of holding role, so probably Huddleston, um, and then whoever we've got up top. What about the outgoings? Then you get the feeling, Chris Martin and. Matteo Vidra's days at Derby are numbered. Um, both are apparently injured. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing air quotes by the way. It's, it's fun- um, are you are you buying it? Well, it's funny how the, the players who don't go on tour or are injured and missing preseason games always tend to be the ones that there's a bit of speculation about, isn't it? It always seems to work out that way. You no, know, quite convenient that Martin and and Vidra are the two ones who are who are kind of missing. I think their names are numbered for different reasons. I think Vidra, I think Mal Morris in the club is probably quite keen to cash in on him, which I can understand why, considering our situation. And if Lampard thinks he can design a team without him, then fine. Martin is very different. I think they just want to probably get him off the wage bill now. I mean, he was given a fat contract, what, a year, 18 months ago? Something yeah. like that, yeah. And he came back from Fulham, they gave him yeah. a contract. Yeah. Um, so he's probably got maybe two and a half, three years left on that. And obviously doesn't seem to be fancied by the new coaching staff, I but guess. Does, but now we're going back to four three three. Yeah. Does that give him more of a future? Well, because yeah, possibly because they are they are looking to play Nugent or Jerome, aren't they, at the moment in the friendlies and in, in the striking position. So Martin's an option there. What Martin doesn't give you, which Jerome and Nugent both do give you, is the running in behind, trying to stretch defences, and that's probably going to be quite important, particularly if you want to play a pressing game and play a fast tempo game. So maybe Martin doesn't fit in. But then if he is actually injured, then Lampard hasn't had a chance to see him yet. We talked a lot, Tom, well, both of you, about um, you know about Vidro and how much we're selling for. The current state of play is, um, well, he's, he's injured, air quotes. Leeds had a little sniff around, didn't they, I believe? Had a little go, but nothing's really been official or confirmed. But we'll see how that one turns out. In terms of the other fringe players, Tom, I mean, we've got such a massive squad, haven't we? We've got a ridiculous amount yeah. of players right now. We're going to have to at least ship out. What's the number for you of players we need to get rid of at this point? Um, in an ideal situation, if you were sort of know, managing a, on FIFA or, or on Football Manager, you'd ship out about seven or eight. I think realistically, four. I think would be a good number to get out. One of Martin or Vidra. I could actually see Martin doing a decent job, as you say, um, playing four three three and having two two players who are wide, who are very quick. And they're, they're the ones that will do the running in behind and Martin's the link play. And then you've got Mount or Bryson uh, pushing on. But I think I can see that. I actually can't see Vidra playing in that same position. Mm. Um, and I think Lawrence is clearly much more of a, a sort of threat in that middle. Um, and I think the way that Lampard so far has lined up, I, I don't really see a place for Vidra, which is shocking considering how good he was last year. And he's got to go. Blackman's got, got to go. I think they're the two others that I would just say get rid of them. Tom makes a good point actually about Chris Martin because the, the season, his most effective season in the McLaren season, which was a long time ago now, uh, was with was with a, uh, I think three three man midfield. Yeah. And Bryson, one of those midfielders who seems to be back um, in favour again. And if you've got someone like Mason Mount who's also arriving in the box to support him, that's where Martin's so useful because he will he will win the ball in the box and there will be knockdowns um, and he is effective linking up with midfielders arriving late. So maybe he could have a role, but it doesn't, it doesn't look like he's got a role. I'd agree with Tom, though. I think Blackman needs to be offloaded. I, I quite like Anya, but there's plenty of options, as we've discussed now, in the final third. Butterfield, we're so, you know, so many midfielders, Butterfield and Johnson probably, and Fawn, probably going to be struggling. You wouldn't have thought that Anya, for one, had any future at the club, if given that we've brought in Two, two wingers who's going to be even further down the pecking order than he was last season yeah. and even then he couldn't get in the team and he so. got Luke Thomas and he got Mason Bennett and he got Tom Lawrence it's crazy how much we spent on Anya like 
what was Pearson and his recruitment team thinking? I remember at the time thinking four and a half million for like a winger who doesn't really get in the Watford team, like, and lots of people were excited for his pace. Yeah, he came on against Millwall last season. It was so much fun. <laughs> it was. It was. A, it was an <laughs> underrated highlight of last season, wasn't yeah. it? That goal that he had at Odessa. It was a highlight of the second half of the season. What yeah. about? It says a lot about the second half of the season. <laughs> Some other names for you, Tom. Um, Alex Pierce, Bradley Johnson, George yeah. Thorne. Are they expendable? Yes, uh, all three of them. Um, Pierce is a solid backup, um, but is probably on quite a bit of money. Could we? If, if we're thinking that Keogh and Davis are your first two centre-halves, you don't need someone who is just not quite as good as those two um, just knocking at the door. You want someone who's younger, maybe a lot cheaper. Um, what is interesting is, as well is that Lampard's experimented with wisdom as a centre-back mm. in pre-season as well, so maybe that I could uh, that means that Pierce um, has even less of a of a, a case for staying at the club. I, I disagree with that, though. I think Pierce is, a, you know... If, Richard Keogh goes down or Curtis Davis goes down he's out for four or five months you yeah. need someone like Pierce to step in who is a seasoned championship defender he's not oh, he's not He's not in his 30s is he I don't think I think that, he is yeah oh. and he did He did come in towards in the running last season and did, yeah. did a job didn't and he and I, I think you want to have the centre back's a position you don't want to have no backup option no because who, who else is there I do think I do think we need someone in at centre back but I just think I imagine Pierce was player of the season for Reading. He was in the Championship team of the year that year. Um, I can't imagine him being cheap. And if we're talking about financial fair play and, and wages, which was obviously uh, bandied around towards the end of last season, then for me, Pierce is one that you could get rid of. He doesn't perform enough in the first team to warrant, or I'd imagine, is a quite sizable wage. First team contract. Yeah. yeah. Um, essentially, he's going to be. He would be a first team player in most Championship teams. We just happen to have three very good centre backs, and I wouldn't have a problem if we got rid of Keo. Um, at the same time if we get rid of Keogh and brought Pierce in um, but I do think that would probably be a bit of a downgrade it says a lot about Alex Pierce, unfortunately So on Johnson and Thorne what's the first choice midfield three for you Kutch? Uh, the first choice midfield three for me would be Huddleston Bryson and Mount I think and then Ledley as the, the next on the block Yeah okay I'd agree with that and I think that leaves Butterfield, Johnson, and Thorne as very expendable. Because yeah. in that four-three-three we had last time, there's like one holder, isn't there? And two, like Eustace, and two further forward. Eustace or Thorne with Hughes, Bryson, or Hendrick. Mm. But you can also play a more inverted sort of four-three-three, three in the middle, can't you? Where it's more similar to the four-two-three-one with two holders, mm. which is what we seem to have gone for in pre-season more with Huddleston and Ledley, and then one player further forward, which is usually Bryson. You've, you've got to consider again where Lawrence then fits in. Does he fit in at the top of that as of like a number eight um, at the top of that three? So well, that's where Mason Mount's playing. Yeah, well, or does mate? I mean, that's it. That's your that's your conundrum, isn't it? Because we talked about earlier. Lawrence was very good going through the middle. He scored a good goal against Southampton uh, from outside the box. The defending was poor, but that seems to be the way he likes to play. Now you're not going to play him out on the left or on the right when you've just signed two two quick wingers. Um, so is Lawrence going to play a more central role, and therefore is he the tip of the the three? And then does Mount play just behind? I imagine I imagined Lawrence playing in the front three, and then I think what is Lampard's most difficult selection dilemma is Mount or Bryson mm. in the middle, because uh, Naz said in the first half that. Mount's best position, best position is as the number eight. But I think you can play. Um, as, as, I think you can as play the extra attacking body. I think you can play them together. I don't unless you're playing. If you're playing Lawrence in that three in, in the midfield three, then you have a decision to make who plays alongside him in Huddleston. But as I said, I think it's Huddleston as the quarterback 
with two number eights, which is mm. Bryson and Mount, yeah. I think. But then, because I, I would keep Lawrence on one of the wings, and you've got three good options on the wings. Yeah. But then we just talked about the fact that Lawrence is much not as effective yeah. on the wing, and we stuck him out there last season. I, I mean, I don't know. It's, I'm not paid to make that decision. Well, over to you, Frank. <laughs> Further up the pitch, yeah. one player Derby have been linked with is uh, Peterborough's Jack Marriott. Derby have reportedly had three offers turned down for him. Would you like to see him in the black and white, Tom? I said that on the end of season po- podcast. I like I like the look of him. He scored a lot of goals for Peterborough. Uh, I think. Right. Tw- no, I'm not to show off. Well, I'm just saying that I've, oh, I've, look I've, at me. I've handed in my uh, scouting <laughs> report to the Derby County reporting services. I'm due a cheque of about eight hundred thousand pounds. Mbappe, Jack Marriott, Griezmann were all like players. That cheque check is no coming through. <laughs> um, Boing. <laughs> That's that cheque bouncing. But yeah, I think Jack Marriott scored a lot of goals for Peterborough. He scored um, scored goals for Luton when he was when they came up through the league, um, and he looks like quite a decent player. Twenty four years old. I think he's ready to make that step up. And he is pacey, isn't he? Yeah, we're not going to pay silly money for him. I think that's what McAntony is perhaps doing. The chairman of Peterborough is like trying to make this very public that Derby have had the the links, and there was reports that a relegated Premier League side have been linked with him as well. Surely we're not going to up our bid to uh, what was it? I think six million they want is reported what they want. Um, mm. Until we've sold Vidra, presumably. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's a bit of a um, it's a bit of a standoff, isn't it? Like we can't give them what they want until uh, if you sell Vidra for twelve Vidra. million pounds, then yeah. we've suddenly got we've suddenly got a bit of bit of money to play with. But then, obviously, why would Peter Renault go? Okay, give us ten. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. we don't want to be held hostage at the no. same time, do yeah. we? For a player that they know we need. Um, great stuff. Anyway, Tom, yeah, what, you can you say something else there, Tom? I was going to say, do we really need him if Martin and Vidra perhaps are fit and then do play at the top? I mean, it's yeah, it depends on what happens before the 9th of August when the transfer deadline um, closes, obviously. So we'll see. Now then, so we'll, we'll leave it there for now. We'll round off the podcast, as we said, with the conclusion of Who Ram I? Um, the guessing game where Tom and Richard have to guess the identity of a Derby player from years gone by. The clue at the start of the podcast was this. I played 73 games for Derby County between 1999 and 2003. Tom, Georgie King is incorrect. Kutch, you're up. Kutch. Go on. Lee Morris. Incorrect. Clue number two. I scored 10 goals. Tom, Rory Delap. Roy Delap mm. is incorrect. Scored more goals. Kutch. Seth Johnson. Oh, that's good. It's good, but it's not right. He was sold earlier. Clue number three. I am aged 46. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just use the mental math. To it is a clue, out. in a way. Yeah, so in 2003 when he left, he would have been 31. Tom, Simo Valakari? No. Ten goals? Yeah, I mean... You're having a laugh. <laughs> uh, Simo Valakari is incorrect. I don't see you get, making Come a guess. Cut. This is a big opening for you here. 10 goals, 70, 70 odd appearances, 4 years, he was 31 when he left. Cutch. No, it's not him. Um, <laughs> I think I've got I think I've got one. I mean, can we have another clue? Because <laughs> Cutch yeah, I've, gone, I've gone completely blank. I'm quite hungover. <laughs> I was capped 46 times by my country between 1995 and 2003. Cutch. Craig Burley. Craig Burley. It's correct. Yes! Oh, lovely. 1 0. He's off the mark. Yeah. 1 0 to the Cutch dog. Is this the first time you've ever been winning at this? Yes, yeah. possibly. I think I won the first four last year. Well, Before gonna... you said about the cap, I was going to go for Stefan Schnorr scoring penalties. I'm surprised. Yeah. I didn't know Craig Bailey was with us for four years, actually. Yeah. 
He's now a pundit on BT Sports. Yeah, I've seen I him. Believe, and um, he uh, was that game he scored two she- penalties. She- Wednesday, last minute. He missed a penalty as well. Right, he scored it? two and missed one. He right? scored two and missed one against Bradford in the four all draw. Yeah. yeah. So that's that then. That is a wrap for Steve Bloomer's washing episode twenty seven, our first of the season. It's good to get to be back in the uh, in in the mixer, isn't it? Back in the ramshack. Yeah. It's a bit sweaty in here. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a right sweat on. It's like a sauna in here. <laughs> Um, good, good solid joke. We'll be back in a couple of weeks after the Reading game. Just me and Tom for that one, as Cutch uh, is away for work commitments. Um, we'll be at the game as well, so say hi. We will, yeah. Come and say hello at the uh, at the Mad Stad on the Friday night. In the meantime, give us a follow on social. We're on Twitter at Steve Bloomer Pod. We're on Facebook and Instagram as well, and you can drop us an email, Steve Bloomer's Washing at gmail.com. Tom, thanks very much. Thanks very much, Richard. Thank you. Thank you. See you next time.